0: Welcome to the Pop
1: Culture Cosmos. And we're back with the show. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Thanks so much for watching us and truly appreciate it. If you get a chance, please make sure you go ahead, like, subscribe, do whatever you can to support us right here at the pop culture cosmos. Plus, big shout out to the over 30 radio stations worldwide that check us out here at the pop culture cosmos. If you want the latest news and trends in pop culture, you could always go ahead and hit us up today at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. Also as well, go ahead and check out our main site, PopCultureCosmos.wordpress.com. Well, if you would ask me what would be the number one video game film adaptation of all time, obviously Super Mario Brothers makes the list after what we saw from the tremendous performance that went on in this universal hit. But if you ever told me what was number two, not in my wildest dreams would I have ever told you that it would be Five Nights at Freddy's. But alas, Five Nights at Freddy's probably with the biggest surprise weekend of the year for movies with an estimated $80 million here domestically in the U.S. and about over $150 million worldwide closing in on. Right there for you. So, excellent start for Five Nights and Freddy's. And here today to discuss Five Nights and Freddy's, because I've actually seen it. Good man indeed. He is the madman from Toronto. He did get out of Toronto traffic to talk about Five Nights and Freddy's and a little bit of pop culture to head off his evening. He is a tremendous part of the coverage at Lakers Fast Break. Lakers Fast Break on YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, wherever you get your podcast. But please follow today. To better get to know the NBA, it is the Magic Man Sean Grice. And, Magic Man, great to have you here. Five Nights at Freddy's, I still cannot believe this, is the number two video game adaptation for a film of all time. And in a year where video game adaptations with The Last of Us and the Super Mario Brothers have wreaked havoc on entertainment better than any video game properties ever have it's interesting to see now five nights of freddy's hold itself high up to that stature as well
2: i'm as surprised as you are gerald it's amazing to see yeah. i i just
1: did not think so that i understand the the game base of games that have already mm-hmm. been out of play i understand that there was a there's a group niche audience that have that have really enjoyed it over the course of years but man did they come out and support it they're dressed up as the five Nights of freddy's characters when they're going to the theater this was something i think out of left field that i didn't think anybody could actually figure out
2: no i i agree wholeheartedly drill i i you know we can all understand the uh the commotion and the to-do about uh both oppenheimer and barbie there was kind of a kind of a built-in fan base for for barbie and the the whole uh, mystique but with oppenheimer and it, it, it kind of worked together but yeah great great phrase gerald out of left field for sure i love the point and click the original game the 20 the 2014 game played it for windows that's the one I really loved, and I think everybody goes back to the original one, but I never would have imagined that it would have this big of a cult following drill. That that surprised me
1: as well. It's based off of a similar format to what you would say, like a, a Five Nights at Freddy's concept of a uh, Chuck E. Cheese. If you're familiar with the Chuck E. Cheese concept as far as old pizza joints, a once large pizza chain here in the United States where families would take their kids uh, and they would interact with some animatronics, trying to make it like a smaller version of a theme park type deal. You had the arcades, pizza going on and all that. It was kind of a great experience. So Five Nights at Freddy's is a horror based video game series based off that type of, you know, that, that concept where you have the, the old, pizza place you know broken down it's torn you know on its way to being torn down or it's on its way to just abandoned. and you know the if you go ahead and you explore it or actually you're, you're you're a security guard is the idea you're a security guard trying to protect the place from from any vandals and hoodlums and and in doing so you encounter that the you know things in this abandoned uh, pizza place is not as uh you know docile as it as it normally would seem that these these uh, actual animatronics are actually uh, have the souls of children that were actually kidnapped and, and killed uh, either on the facility or right off there Just this dark meaning with all this stuff and it's just funny how it's resonated with teens my my youngest daughter absolutely just begged me to go ahead and check it out the ironic thing about this magic, okay, I mentioned 150. is actually $130 million worldwide, which is still a tremendous haul. The fact that it's day and date release with Peacock, where I caught it, makes it even more incredible. Not only is it probably the number one entity right now on Peacock, a smaller yet trying to go ahead and, you know, just trying to rise into the ranks of the streaming pl- platform and the atmosphere, something that – Actually had a lot of fun with talking about on this show about how bad that they've been doing, but something like this, which has been such a huge hit in the first weekend, not only for in the theaters but also for Peacock, this has got to give Universal a huge boost. Coming off the big win this summer for them with Super Mario Brothers,
2: absolutely, uh, they've got to be very pleased about this. That's, um, and, and I have to say, you know, I I I often. I often I'm not surprised, Gerald, when a when a video game turns movie is released and the critics actually hate it because it's really it's very difficult to try and review uh, a movie based on a off a video game if you haven't played the video game or you don't understand like you know what I'm saying. So I, I, even with all that, there was still uh, there was still uh, galvanization amongst all these FNF fans to uh, come out in droves and and support the uh, the cause. Um, well, my incredible. daughter, as
1: I said, my youngest daughter is a is a fan and supporter of the FNF. And she enjoyed the film uh, because it went into the lore. And uh, the only thing is, uh, the one reason I want to go ahead and tell you, this, this thing had so many, uh, you know, on the surface, things working with it. The fact is, not only that it was going to be a very popular movie for day and date on Peacock, the fact that it it did so well in the form as far as out there in theaters. Fact is, it's a PG 13 horror film. And usually that's not a great sign for a horror film. You think, okay, it's going to be very timid. It's like a Disney movie or something. Like, you know, it's just like if Disney makes a horror movie like The Haunted Mansion that just came out recently and that tanked or Goosebumps on the Dizzy Plus channel, you don't think very much of it as far as it's concerned. And I'll tell you my thoughts here on the second, uh, as far as the movie after watching it, but it digs deep into the FNAF lore, which if you're a FNAF fan, this is for you. If you're not a FNAF fan, this will not be for you. If you're a horror fan, this movie with the jump scares tuned down to a pg-13 level not only in the fact that they're tuned down period but the number is tuned down period than what you would normally have in a let's say a conjuring or some other type type of horror film that's gonna give you the slashers and the the you know the just all the blood and the gore like most of the r-rated ones do this this pg-13 there's a lot working against them but yet they found ways to overcome all that, and I think that's a credit to the fan base for FNF.
2: Absolutely, Joe, hundred percent. Decided to uh, just uh, support it no matter what. Um, and as you said, like the the fall, uh, That's the surprising thing. Again, coming back to the the original thought is that their fan base is so huge and so loyal that uh, I, I think. Um, Nothing was going to prevent this thing from uh, becoming a snowball.
1: I agree with you, my friend. And I will say this. If again, if you're a fan of just horror movies in general, I would advise not to watch this film. And I understand as a, if you're a horror film you fanatic, you understand that most of these horror films are rated poorly. There are well, most of them to a T are rated very poorly. And I get that, and I understand that. But when it comes to FNF, and this this FNF, the fact that it's PG-13 for me, as someone who's not familiar with the lore, I didn't play very much. I didn't. I I, I watched the games on streaming a little bit, but I really wasn't into it. The security camera idea. In fact, we didn't even get to see much of the security camera concept, which is a great part of the video games. We didn't see that much in action here in the movie as well. And then you get to the acting. And then you get to the whole way it was carried out, PG thirteen style. So everything was dumbed down. The fact that it looked like it was only filmed at a house and an abandoned pizza place, and that was it. I still don't know how they squeezed twenty five million in, in production costs out of that when it seemed to look like it was made out of twenty five dollars. Again, this movie to me, I'm so glad that my daughter enjoyed it, but I can tell you, for me, it was the exact opposite. <laughs>
2: Uh, you know what, Gerald, uh, being a fan of the video game, when, when I saw it, I went in with, uh, optimistic eyes and then it was okay. It was, it, it was okay. Uh, but like you said, I was in a theater that was packed and I didn't think I'd be in a theater that was packed, Gerald. I thought everybody was there for, uh, to see another film. And then when I started seeing fifteen people come in, another ten, I'm thinking, "Wow, this this is gonna be a big hit." And turned out to be. Now, I, I, like like you said, Gerald, if you're a traditional horror fan, this movie isn't for you. It's it, like you said, PG thirteen. Uh, by the way, just out of curiosity, Gerald, what's the last PG thirteen kind of horror esque? Movie that cleared a hundred million. It's That's what I was.
1: It, it's it's interesting because it is. I, I know I had the uh the stats on it here. As far as that was part of one of the articles I saw. Um, yeah, Little Monsters, Arachnophobia, The Haunting, okay. All The right. Sixth Sense. You could probably say it's probably one of the the highest grossing. The Sixth Sense, Arachnophobia, which was uh, back in the day in the eighties. That one also did very well for a PG thirteen horror movie. I mean, those are those are probably little monsters. I don't know okay. that did, that didn't, you know, that's more a movie that did well in uh, on video cassette in the so rental basically market, a as a, P-
2: a PG thirteen esque uh, horror slash thriller. It's kind of a needle in the haystack. Yes, because uh, you
1: just you're so limited on what you can do unless you're Steven Spielberg, as I talked about, <laughs> one of the greatest horror film directors of all time because of what he's been able to get away with. His action movies and PG-13 movies seem like it's been, in a lot of cases, tinged on horror. I mean, the end of uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, I mean, War of the Worlds. He, he's found a way to get around some stuff with the censors that put stuff, you know, that in his movies that would probably be an R-rated movies. But he's able to get the PG-13 slapped on it. But be that as it may, if you wanted to go, oh, and of course, Jurassic Park, that's a slasher film. People don't, huh? It is a slasher film. You look at it, it's the dinosaur picks off the victims one by one by one by one, like a typical standard slasher film there. But when it comes to seeing films, you know, PG-13, you're so limited. The Ring was also a PG-13 film. Right, That one scored really well at the box office. So, I mean, these are... They're far and few between Magic Man, especially ones that do well. But there, you can see the when you do that, Five Nights at Freddy knows its audience. They know its audience is 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. That's they know their target audience they know that you played the game in, you know, as far as back in the day and, you know, for anybody else in their twenties or early thirties that did play the, the, uh, the, the games back in the day. Yeah, that's great, but they're not going to follow it as religiously as those guys and those guys and gals that are, that are doing it now that are in their early teens. So that's why they had to go, I believe for that PG 13 rating is they wanted to make sure they got in the theater, the largest following possible of those who follow the games
2: absolutely true because there it is very popular amongst uh teenagers i would say you know anywhere from you know 12 to uh to cloverfield
1: is a pg-13 movie
2: i was i was i was wondering about sleepy hollow because i remember that was a disney release as well
1: yeah but i don't know is that really yeah some sliced heads there i guess guess. like but you're right
2: you're right like we're kind of like Anyway, splitting hairs, uh, yeah. that's, that's the expression. But no, it's not really a horror. Super
1: 8. No. Super and... 8 with J. James. More of a mystery thriller yeah, to I guess me. So. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. For the latest news and information, analysis, and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. I felt
2: what really helped the movie along as well, Gerald, was it was a uh, very unique, diverse cast. And um, I thought that Matthew Lillard playing the uh, antagonist was uh, a, a very good choice. I happen- Shaggy. Yeah.
1: Well, man.
2: <laughs> I happened to uh, to uh, like his his acting, acting chops. Um, he could play, and like you said, Anything from Shaggy to a psychop psychopathic uh, child cool. murderer, yeah, and Scream and and um, F and as well. Uh, very very well very well put together. A nice a nice mix of like youth and uh, experienced actors and and new actors I, I uh, didn't haven't seen before. So I thought it was a very nice touch with the with the diverse cast.
1: So funny, though, that Josh Hutcherson, who you know out there as uh, part of the Hunger Games movies, you know, along with, of course, uh, what we see there with the whole rest of the entire cast of of the Hunger Games. And on the same day that his movie makes number one, uh, you know, when you see the Netflix number one movies that end up pop up on Netflix, guess whose movie is the number one movie on Netflix? His old co-star Jennifer Lawrence. So uh, Jennifer Lawrence has the number one movie on Netflix and he has the number one movie at the box office. So no hard feelings if you remember it from earlier this summer. So yeah, definitely a uh, funny and ironic how that worked out for both of these hung- ex hunger games uh, individuals, you know, not to mention the hunger games prequel that's coming out here in the not too distant future, but five nights at Freddy's again, it is not to me in my estimation, a good film. But then again, I'm not the target audience. If you are interested in being a part of the FNAF universe, or you are, if you have played the games and you have enjoyed the games, you're going to be excited about getting more into the lore. But if you're looking for cheap thrills, cheap kills, security cam footage, a ton of it, you're not going to find it here because they they stood. I think that's probably what they're going to change because now that the movie has done so well in its first week and they've already made back its entire production budget plus their advertising budget in this weekend alone, you know a sequel's going to come out in the next couple of years. There, I could think that they will work on more of the of the what made the game so special, and I'll think they'll work on that next absolutely
2: Gerald uh considering the fact that there are uh, at least eight volumes uh a lot of source material to work with yeah and, and like you said uh the the plot the plot itself really didn't uh broadly go into uh, um a lot of the backstory so that leaves it open to the sequel uh as you uh duly noted Gerald it's happening they've they've they're basically going to turn a profit here and try and uh, milk the cow.
1: Oh, they already have turned a profit in their first weekend, and that's definitely a sign that Universal's going to go ahead and open up the bank, bank and back up the Brinks truck and open up the uh, the checkbook in order to go ahead and get but another like one done. But like you like
2: you said, Gerald, like you said, the fact that they they understood that if we broadly change it to a PG-13 rating. We can get as many butts in the seat as possible. A lot of, a lot of previous um, studios have gotten their hands on uh, source material from video games, Gerald. Neither, they're they're not um, faithful to the source material, or they decide that they can, sort of, take a shortcut, and you get movies like Doom, which was absolutely awful, Gerald. Yes. The video game was great, but the movie was awful. Conceptually, it was just a terrible, terrible flawed project. This, on the other hand, as Gerald points out, uh, you know, a one player uh RPG uh, like basically role player video game that turned into hundred and thirty million is incredible and it only would have happened as Gerald noted it was broadly put out to the audience. So it, they didn't just go targeting that niche audience, which is what I thought the studios who did Doom and Mortal Kombat did, Gerald. They just tried to stay as niche as possible, whereas this this studio broadened their horizons.
1: Absolutely, indeed. But once again, it is the magic man, Sean Grice. Truly appreciate him stopping by. Go ahead and check out what he's doing today at the Lakers fast break always there covering the NBA and Lakers and doing a great job of it plus be part of our live watch parties as the game is continuing you can go ahead and check that out at playback.tv as Lakers fast break but before we head out my friend there was a tragic death this weekend in the world of entertainment uh, for those that uh, you know were alive in the 90s and watching television on the broadcast networks primarily mbc there was one show definitively of all others that seemingly connected the fan base worldwide and that show was friends i didn't personally get into it but i respected the actors and actresses who did and uh, one of those actors unfortunately passed away this past weekend in matthew perry uh, uh, they found him in his home, and uh, you know, regardless of the circumstances reported on by various outlets, we don't know, but he has tragically passed away at 54. Uh, when you hear something like this, Magic Man, who is so much ingrained in as far as the 90s and early 2000s with, with the whole cast of Friends, what does that say as far as where we're at uh, and how does that make you feel, how does that hit you when a TV icon such as Matthew Perry, unfortunately loses his life all too soon.
2: Yeah, Gerald, it, 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 uh, me back to when I was, uh, uh, in the, in the seventh grade and, uh, my first girlfriend loved friends. So, uh, I had to love friends as well, Gerald. <laughs> so, um, just remembering Chan- Chandler, uh, making us laugh, uh, brought back like bittersweet memories of, of, um of a sh- uh, Yeah. I'm with, yeah. I wasn't, a, I wasn't big into it, but uh, it was very popular and um, I really enjoyed his, his roles as uh in film show, the whole nine yards. Uh, I just watched again last night. Um, just br- brilliant comedic uh, timing by Matthew Perry. Uh, very sad. You know, there's part of a Canadian connection with him. His uh, stepfather is Keith Morrison, uh, famously of NBC News. Basically did a lot of those Dateline documentaries. Went to a lot of other Senators games. So he's very ingrained in the hockey community in Canada as well, Gerald. I, having never met him, I, I just, through the grapevine, just heard good things about him. Um, you know, he had his personal struggles, but outside of that, Gerald, I didn't hear anybody say a bad word about Matthew Perry, uh, the man.
1: I know, my friend. It's just very, very sad to see what happened. It's a very tragic death. And I know that the world of television and pop culture lost a, a great icon this past weekend in Matthew Perry. But yeah, like you said, he was part of one of the most iconic television shows of all time. I mean even today it's still being released around the world i mean it was part of a great part of netflix as far as them being able to showcase it in their days where they were really ramping up their subscription base so definitely seeing the residual effects of the 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 work that they did for many of those years and seeing them around the world that i mean it's still in syndication to this day it's still being shown around the world to this day so Many more people in the years to come to, will will be able to appreciate Matthew Perry's work for a long time to come.
2: Yes, Cheryl. Yes, it's 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 all collection there. Uh, it'll be remembered forever. Uh, I hope people uh, hope new fans find uh, find the the Friends uh, entertaining as well. Uh, again, just a just a big loss. You know, 50, my gosh, fifty four is just really young when you hear about it.
1: That's my age, so yeah, believe me, it, uh, that that's what hit me the most is to see him, uh, you know, befallen at the same age I was. So very tragic indeed.
2: Yes, yeah, absolutely. Uh, leaves behind quite the legacy, though, as you said. Gerald, friends is uh, is, I mean, that's part of TV history. Uh, it'll go probably go down as one of the like, one of the greatest uh, television shows for as far as actors go. Uh, wasn't that the first show where each cast member basically got a million dollars an episode?
1: That is correct. Once they reached those heights, they, they got a million dollars per episode. They all went and negotiated together and they were able to go ahead and, and get that kind of deal, which credit to them, they were able to get it and were able to prosper because of it. So, uh, that's something that even to this day, they still feel the repercussions of that in a good way because of the fact that this show is being universally syndicated around the world to a large and vast audience, whether it's through streaming networks or whether it's through other channels throughout the world. So yeah, they're, like you said, it's part of TV history. I mean, it's in that upper echelon of shows like I love Lucy cheers, you know, J- mash just a couple, just a few shows that, are, that actually reach that upper level where they will be continuously played, for decades to come
2: yeah absolutely gerald and you know there, there there have been a few shows that you thought would never go out of syndication uh roseanne family matters uh those kind of shows but you're right there's only a handful of shows that uh that reach that reached iconic status and uh it was one of them you have mentioned the other ones just a, just a fantastic legacy and again you know. Ch- uh, you know, Trailblazers as well, a million dollars an episode, uh, ju- just goes to show that, uh, you know, that when all these got when all these young men and women got together on that show, nobody, nobody probably even thought they could even get close to that. And then, you know, as it turns out, you know, sometimes life happens while you're busy making other plans. I use that a lot, but you know, Matthew Perry uh, was so fortunate to be amongst uh, that peer group. And again, it's just very sad. And uh, Gerald, it's a reminder. I think what hits home for us is that it's a reminder of the fragility of life. Yeah. That we need to basically enjoy life and, and be thankful for the time that we're here uh, because, you know, Tomorrow isn't promised, and that's that's often what it feels like, and and it's hard for some people. Is you're here one day, and then you're gone, like a light switch. It's over.
1: Here today, gone tomorrow. Here today, gone the next, and again, you couldn't have said it better myself, but Magic Man providing such great insight, and it is just so great to have you here talking about that, the legacy, again, of Matthew Perry uh, you know all the great work he did with friends he obviously had his struggles that he was very public and open about Uh, he recently uh, wrote a memoir uh, autobiography talking about his struggles and issues I don't know if that's what finally caught up to him the years of abuse uh, finally catching up to him we'll have to see I have to wait and see what the autopsy report is but yeah unfortunately a life lost all too soon and i know that you know people were so excited to see that friends reunion uh uh, on peacock and and they were so happy to see them back once again and hopefully they were going to go ahead and see more great stuff from those actors but for matthew perry it wasn't meant to be we'll see what happens down the road but his work it's always good when your work is immortalized i mean that that's something you and i don't really talk about that much, uh, you know, with our work with the Lakers fast break and the pop culture cosmos. And, you know, the fact that I've been on over 15, 1700 episodes of various shows and whatnot. I forget that this is also because it's out there in the internet, that it's also categorized. It's also out there. So my life of the past 10 plus years, it's out there. You can see it. You can hear my thoughts. So, anybody wanting to get a better idea about you or me can actually check that out. And that's goes the same thing for Matthew Perry. If anybody wants to understand how he was as an actor, or they just take a look at all the interviews that he did over the course of years, they can find out a little bit more about what they lost in Matthew Perry.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Jared, there, there's a large catalog of, uh, of his, uh, uh iconography whether from friends or as you said his memoir that uh, that he released great catalog of work by uh, matthew perry
1: you're listening to the pop culture cosmos don't touch that dial wait do, do people still use dials
0: oh here you are well that was pretty good timing you're here and we're here he was just seminal to so many people
1: Authentic taking kind Teach
0: you something and make you feel good, something very soothing, something very calming, fundamental in developing me to the human being that I am today. You ask anybody in Canada, they know who he is.
1: It's hard to imagine anyone having had a bigger influence on my life. It's the award-winning documentary, Mr. Makeup, the magic of make-believe available now on Amazon prime video. As I've said
2: before, you know, he was, I, I always kind of felt that, you know, if, if he just, it's, you know, with Gerald, drugs and, and addiction behavior, It it's, it's such a struggle. And I always felt that Matthew, Matthew Perry had that charisma that we talked about that it factor um, of all the guy of all the young men and women on the show. I always felt that you know, if there were two two breakouts, uh, it was going to be either Jennifer Anderson, who obviously did, and then I always thought it would be Matthew Perry um, rather than Matt LeBlanc. But just struggles alone can can hold you back, Trail. But, I mean, even with the struggles, um, like you said, look at that catalog of, of work he's left behind. It, it's, it's a fantastic – it was a fantastic life, a short life, but a fantastic one for him
1: absolutely indeed but my friend uh truly appreciate you sharing your thoughts on both five nights at freddy's which i i didn't even know you caught and then you I'm like did you catch five nights he said yes i did And i'm like wow so did i you know it's I mean, the
2: second it's the second best point and click video game i've ever played gerald that's that's uh
1: what would you say is the first monkey island
2: oh that's 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 actually my third it'd be it's an old old game wolfenstein
1: oh castle wolfenstein absolutely yeah Yeah, that's evolved into some really good games in the last decade people need to check that out in fact i was playing it recently uh, last month on xbox games pass uh, the latest wolfenstein dlc that you can go ahead and play for free or as part of the package on xbox games pass absolutely the wolfenstein games have transcended through time so yeah absolutely couldn't agree with you more and help solidify the first person shooter genre there is absolutely couldn't couldn't agree with you more i remember playing castle wolfenstein from back in the day to what i played been playing it recently so yeah definitely uh looking forward to seeing what they can do with the wolfenstein ip but you're right five nights and freddy's big hit 130 million dollars worldwide you know that's just already universal already has since the writer strike has ended they already have the writers coming up with something new for number two you know it's on the way i don't know with this with the sag strike going on if it will be filmed enough time to go ahead and make it up well then again it looked like again it looks like it was just a house and a pizza parlor and, and, and they filmed the park and then that was it it seemed like that was the case but that may not be so... It, it may come out this time next year. You never know. So we'll wait and see, my friend. But Magic Man, uh, great to have you here. Uh, any last thoughts before we head on out?
2: Absolutely. If uh, if you're not a fan of FNF, I'd, uh, I'd recommend um, researching the original game. Try it out. Play it for about half an hour, four to five minutes. Uh, I think you'll actually enjoy it. And then after you play the game, please go watch... T- please go watch the movie because if you love the game, you'll love the movie. But if, as Gerald said, there's a caveat. If you're a horror fan, don't see the movie. No.
1: Did you actually like more of the leaning on the lore than less on the, the deaths or the security footage? That's yeah. so liked learning more about the Lord. Cause that's something that, that that's my daughter told me. That's something that was kind of evasive in the, even in the number of video games that's been released.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, Gerald. It was very sparse, like, like very cryptic voicemail messages that are, you know, about less than 30 seconds in length at most. And yeah, it was like very cryptic, very terse. And your daughter takes after her smart dad. Uh, That's an excellent point. (laughs)
1: all right and uh, we better leave on that note while uh, getting's good on that one but once again it is magic man sean grice he is there for you all the time at lakers fast break doing pre-games doing interviews he is on the weekends during the weekdays he is such a great part of what we do post-game coverage then he's also part of what we do as well on lakers fast break of course as far as playback during the game so Go ahead and check out Magic Man today. Magic Man Sean Grice. Appreciate everything that you've done for me today. And tonight, my friend, looking forward to some more great conversations. You're always welcome to stop by and talk pop culture, including FNAF, as the kids say, right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. And we're back with the Pop Culture Cosmos. Gerald Glassford. come right back at you here. Thanks so much for watching. Listening is truly appreciated want to go ahead and mention, if you've not caught everything that we've done, starting with Inside Sports Fantasy Football, the Lakers Fast Break, or Pop Culture Cosmos, you're missing out on a ton of great stuff that you need to go ahead and check out. Please go ahead and check out and subscribe today to the Pop Culture Cosmos. And, of course, right here at the Lakers Fast Break, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and, of course, wherever we are at with the Pop Culture Cosmos. Cheryl Glassford, thanks so much again for watching and listening. Well, I thought I'd go ahead and bring on a man who knows so much about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Well, that was until the last episode of Loki that we just saw, because in this latest episode of Loki season two, it looks like the MCU as we knew it has now been evaporated. But again, that's there's still two episodes of left for Loki. So we're not quite sure, but here today to discuss the implosion or explosion of the temporal loom and all the timelines being possibly destroyed. Good man indeed. He is the man of true knowledge. You gotta go ahead and check him out today at the MCU's Bleeding Edge. It is Jeff Sloboda and Jeff, great to have you here, my friend. Looking forward to a great conversation uh Di- ox1947 says the end of disney needs to happen no it doesn't i disagree hardly <laughs> but your thoughts my friend with loki season two coming down to it uh just unfortunately uh looks like that the mcu as we know it is going is about to change
0: i mean uh- it's a mixed bag as, and, and I, th- I think what you already know. Um, and I thank you very much, Gerald. It's good to be back. Um, mm-hmm. it's good to have a chance to talk to you. Um, mm-hmm. a lot going on. Um, you know, I'll tell you, Gerald, after secret evasion, um, uh, Loki season two couldn't have come at a better time. Mm-hmm. Although th- this, uh, there's a little bit of inconsistency I'm noticing right now with the, with the Disney plus and the films, you know, like a little bit of, um, you we've talked about this before you know that's been very
1: inconsistent at best uh is to say that say it nicely to when you to, blend
0: them into together like that and then they they don't all sort of they don't get all sense. hit. but but if they don't yes uh, it, it just the whole the whole um the whole cake suppers you know the whole pie yeah. supper um you know and so um but yeah i mean it looks like um I don't know what the hell. I mean, maybe this is the reboot right here. Maybe in episode five. Kevin Feige's going to pop up in the in the in the show, um, you know. And no, I'm I'm just joking. But um, no, episode four was great. And honestly, Gerald, everybody that's been on the bleeding edge has really enjoyed Loki season two so far. Although we really enjoyed Loki season one. I thought it got off to a little bit of
1: a a tough start because it was trying to over-explain things. It felt like episodes of Star Trek that people just don't get sometimes where they go and. Too much in technicalities and too much into details as far as the whole temporal loom, and they're trying to they just sometimes talk over the general audience's head sometimes. And I think they did that for the first couple episodes. But once you start getting into more, uh, the, the consequences of what we saw in that brilliant third episode, the production values on that episode uh, I don't want to say they were on par with the movies per se, but they're probably as close to the movies as what I've seen with that third episode where they went to the world's fair and they went back in time into a earlier parts of history for Victor timely. I really liked that episode. And then obviously they've topped it off with what they've done in episode four. So make it so that everybody that's watching, whether they, whether they follow the MCU or not found it a little bit easier to swallow than those first two episodes. The first two episodes were very explanatory and unfortunately, sometimes it, it, I can tell from what I saw on social media, it went over people's heads.
0: I think when it boils down to it, when it comes to the overall, like, you like like you like to focus on a lot, Gerald, because you you know it's a, it's it's the crux of what you do. Um, your everyday person on the street that say has never consumed the MCU at all and is is going in like you know hypothetically, for instance, you know I went when I went to see Endgame um, one time out of the I think four times I saw it. My girlfriend at the time went when she'd never seen a Marvel movie, but she understood what was going on during Endgame. I asked her a couple of different times periodically, "Do you get what's happening right now?" And she's like, "Yeah, I kind of get the gist, you know." Like, and she was like, crying and everything during all the times when you know you you everyone else was emotional and like you know she understood what was happening. Now this yes. is the apex of like three phases that that film, and they were still able to deliver that ability you know to where they could give you the product now of course again this is cinematically and and, and anyone could, could could digest it and, and enjoy it right mm-hmm. so you're right it is tough and i think that's why one of the reasons why they're they they kept it really tight the characters in the series are really tight um this you know they really didn't expand the cast at all um yeah. you know they're keeping it very
1: uh, well just adding he quan as kwan as a major character but other than that you're right they've they've kept it pretty much what they had it last year
0: last that's season. right and so I think it's because they have, because they are using it as sort of a conduit to again sort of explain time, the multiverse, you know, according to you know this universe, right? Yeah. Which is what, which is what season one sort of was, was a bridge to, to that, to the multiverse. And so this is the same kind of thing. I think this is the difference is this is the the multiverse and also uh, time.
1: Now it's interesting that they placed this event, the destruction of the temporal loom. And also, as well, the untimely, pardon the pun, death of Victor Timely as he got uh, disintegrated uh, due to the radiation uh, leaking from the temporal loom and the ultimate explosion that happened shortly thereafter. It's interesting that they placed it where they placed it with two episodes left, because we've seen footage in the trailers pre- uh, you know, preceding it that there is something beyond what you know the final moments of episode 4 so it's seemingly going to go somewhere different it's going to go to a timeline or timelines but we're not sure exactly which so it's interesting where marvel placed this event instead of let's say a cliffhanger for the season ending of season 2 your thoughts on where they placed it with two episodes left
0: um with two episodes left As far as the series goes, I mean, I, I love it because it's a, it's, I mean, it's a, it's, I think people, I think we'll appreciate it more when the series is over. It's a slow burn. Because a, a
1: typical a typical show would have left something like that for the exact end of a season at, and or series. I'm that
0: big of a cliffhanger, yeah, where yeah. you're basically you know everything is the temporal loom is exploding right, and that yes. the, and that energy is is about to dis- disintegrate every everything everybody. But we, yet yeah, we've Good. already trailers, so we already know there's more episodes. Just Absolutely. like we already know, we know that majors is supposed to be in one more episode. I, th- I
1: think it's gutsy because again the normal Hollywood call would have been to just end that so have people talking about not knowing exactly what's gone on not exactly what's what's going to happen and, and you know what's going to go on for for future of the series as a whole so it's interesting to see where it was placed and and how that's going to affect it going forward is this going to be still a cataclysmic event that's going to shape the entire universe for marvel going forward or is it's going to be almost like a, i don't know like a like a false event so to speak where it isn't going to end up being as big or as important as it were seemingly let off to be
0: i think this now i could be wrong it's it's it's, it's happened more than once but i think the placement of this before deadpool 3 mm-hmm. is great is is really great because if you think about it, with what if coming out next now, don't get me wrong, the schedule's been gone has been gone to Hades, Gerald. Right? The last time I think we got together and recorded, we were both going back. Yeah. And-
1: you know, when I'm on the show now, I just I just report when they make the changes. I don't actually, uh you know, like remember the that they had the the timeline out at the last time that they were at Comic Con, not this past Comic Con, but the Comic Con, but last year Comic Con, they had everything measured out. Everything was fine, groovy. You know, that's. Just like what we saw in this latest episode, you could pretty much blow that up too, because everything has changed since then. Projects have been started, products have been changed, projects have been, you know, completely altered, been moved back years in some cases. So yeah, uh, that timeline that was originally sent out to us on on the future of the, you know, the this phase of the Marvel Order, the next couple phases of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, they're totally different from what they are in actuality
0: now. Well, again, but now I say to you, I could be wrong because I feel like this is great placement with Deadpool, but Deadpool's not even going to come out in May. No, that's gonna that got pushed back to October. It already got pushed back to October. Uh, It was going, yeah, it it already got pushed
1: back to October. It was was funny because now remember that movie, that movie was actually was going to be in late 2024. Then it got bumped up ahead of Captain America to May 2024. Yeah, but then. Last week, it got bumped back to October 2024, which is a very curious placement, October. You know, even though we're in October now, realistically, very few non-horror yeah. movies would make, you know, make any imprint, you know, uh, sans uh, horror movies, or in this case, uh, Taylor Swift movie, make, make really consistent progress on movies. So I'm curious to see if Deadpool 3's ultimate, actual placeholder for a date will still be in October. Will it be pushed back to December or will it be moved up to July? You know what I mean? I'm just, i just not 100% sure it's gonna stay in October. If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari,
0: What did the director say? I think he said they've already shot like half the film. Didn't he say that? Yeah.
1: But unfortunately, due to the SAG strike, they had not, uh, they were not going to complete work in enough time to make the May release.
0: No. And that makes perfect sense. It, you know, with post production and everything and whatnot and all that, it would make no sense that they would sell it half I, a film. I mean, they can continue
1: writing now because the writer strike part of it has ended. But the yeah, unfortunately, nobody can act on it yet until that
0: sure. issue has been solved. So the question is going to be now is Captain America 4 going to actually make its, st- its scheduled date. Now I'm really I'm, uh, and again I have see, a I feeling that one's been already. Clo- it's was closer to completion. I have a feeling that one was already. I'm really, I'm I'm holding on to that. I really am. I mean, that's I will pre-buy my tickets for that one, Gerald. Um, not for not for the marbles, but I'll definitely <laughs> you know because there'll be plenty of open seats anyway on on opening night. Uh, at my well, team. that's still that's still expected to
1: generate anywhere from eighty to hundred million. So oh yeah, we, it could still do well. Yeah, Martin Scorsese is still probably upset. You know, I made the, I've made the joke a couple times now on the show about, you know, uh, okay, Martin Scorsese is without a doubt one of the greatest auteurs of all time. I'm never going to take that away from him. But his vitriol on superhero films and non-cinema-like films that he feels you know qualifies as cinema, you know, and whatnot, especially in this recent press press tour for Killers of the Flower Moon. It's just ironic that his two hundred million dollar plus three and a half hour killers of the Flower Moon is gonna be superseded by a Taylor Swift's concert movie, B, Five Nights at Freddy's and then C a superhero and the Marvels. They're all gonna do better
0: than that movie. For real? <laughs> he's he's pretty much been the spearhead. hasn't he always been for like he's been the biggest like critic. yes,
1: big biggest detractor. He was the first one to speak out uh, publicly on uh the Marvel super just basically the, the superhero MCU, genre
0: yeah the superhero genre that did he, he didn't say the MCU the superhero genre was going to ruin he the superhero movie. films yeah. basically the
1: ways that fans embrace superhero films in the previous decade he did obviously did not like the trend of it going up and up and up obviously starting but but he won't say bad things about Jonathan Nolan who filmed three Batman films. And I'll just leave it at that. But again, uh, you know, the Marvels is coming up as well. We'll see how well that does at the theaters. But it's just interesting to see, getting back to Loki, you know, where the series is going to go, where the series is going to continue. There will be some type of continuance or something uh, of ramifications as far as what we see with Loki and his character going forward. And I'm glad to see it because Loki, you know, was derived out of a short-term villain role. That was supposed sure. to be a short term, one film, most likely best role that has expanded into almost 15 years worth of quality I know, it's work from t- Tom Hiddleston. And it's all because of Tom Hiddleston. So his character is now very much beloved and is now gone from what he was to probably now what you would say would be one of the most popular characters in the entire. Marvel film history and to see him. I I just hope I get to see his character continue on in the Marvel Cinematic universe. I don't think they have any plans to get rid of him anytime soon, unless he chooses that he wants to. No,
0: I mean, he's he he uh he's in really good shape, he looks very youthful. Mm -hmm. Um, the the, you know, obviously, the character doesn't age, right? Um, uh, you know, but but he I mean, he looks pretty much the same as he did in the avengers um and um honestly it's i the fact that he started off as a villain is the reason why people have a hard time considering him one of the og avengers type characters even though he is he's yeah. not an avenger but he's like an og he's one of the og core characters that's still left over from phase one yeah right and anybody that's from that pantheon right is like automatically for me i mean you know that they're that that's they're like um you know i i i don't want to say i worship them but you know i mean um i would probably pay to watch the avengers wash their hair you know at least like the classic (laughs) avengers you know what i'm saying like you know the original six well you i don't know if you're going to get that
1: back you may get that back in a secret wars type deal if they're ever brought back together in some type of scenario and then of course you know Disney and Marvel has to throw out enough cash at them to get them all in the same place at the same time because, you know, with with Robert Downey Jr., he seems like he's done with the role. Chris Hemsworth, you know, there's rumors that he could be coming back for Thor five. You never know that that that's could quite possibly the case with with Scarlett Johansson. That's a different story altogether yeah. because she and Marvel have been at ends and oh, excuse me, she and Disney have been at been at odds with each other in the past and. I don't know if she'll ever, you know, put on the the, uh, the suit for Black Widow ever again. But we'll wait and see. But you know, her contributions uh, to superhero films should never be a question because a whole generation of young ladies grew up to emulate and want to really realistically style themselves after her character. So that should never be, uh, uh, you know, under undervalued or underappreciated. But yeah no. just just the way this 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 universe that we've seen for so many years my friend you talk about the original avengers i think we'll probably get at some point down the road we'll probably get like one cameo with all of them just to uh you know get that quick that quick uh, as they say in wrestling that quick pop type deal but outside of that i don't think you'll ever see them at the same place same time for an extended period of time I,
0: and i don't need to and you're right and i, I think that scarjo is going to get um again i think down the road as you look back uh, you know i mean god uh she first came into the mcu in what 2010 yes. um so something like iron that too iron man two. so um i think down down the road over time i think that she, people will look back and and they'll give her the proper due that she that she should get probably you know for the for, i agree with you 100 um yeah I, thought, you, I mean
1: you just had to basically you know i My girls are are a great example, but also when you went to Disneyland in the mid two thousands, tens mid two thousand tens, you could just see clearly the influence she had as far as two young ladies all over the world. So
0: that's awesome. See now, and that's and that's one of the things you know, Gerald. We don't have time, you know, today. But um the 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 fact that Marvel brings people together, that families together, children together with their parents and whatnot, everything is something that's very important. Um, and that's why I don't want to see us lose it. So like I I make make fun of the Marvels, right? but I think you're right. I think it will do well. Loki's been great. Season two has been great. Like I said, thank you for having me on. Um, As far as what I think for episode five and six, I think it's going to be two really great episodes and we're probably going to see a lot of Loki and Sylvie together. Right. And then he who remains will come back. So I ask you this,
1: my friend, what are you and the team behind the MCU's bleeding edge talking about right now when it comes to that, or what else are you guys working on at the MCU's bleeding edge?
0: I don't know. You know, we're, where we're at right now is kind of in a place where um, we're doing a lot of episodical TV. Um, and so we just got done finishing The Walking Dead, right? The spinoff series. We just got done with Daryl Dixon. Which one?
1: Yeah, Daryl Dixon. Okay. You got to say did, which one uh, now because there's there's oh, a few spinoffs.
0: We did Dead City and then okay. we did we did Daryl Dixon.
1: Okay. Because um, Fear of the Walking Dead is on its last legs. And then yeah, you've got uh, the Rick and Michonne show. That's This should have said Rick and Michonne. Why do people... I don't know why they make it hard to change it to they just put put the Walking Dead, Rick and Michonne, it's going to get a lot more viewers. I'm just going
0: to. And, tell you and right supposedly there. they're going to try to they're they're not they're not going to do it's not going to be a cinematic universe kind of deal with. No, that that's, that's try. are going to try to pay it off. Yeah, I mean, that's the finale, time. I mean, in the finale of Daryl, we saw Carol um and I, which i think is great because i think in season two we're going to be looking at a dichotomy we're going to the pair they're going to parallel the two yeah. yeah
1: she didn't want to go overseas to to film with, yeah. with uh yeah to film daryl dixon but now that season two is coming back uh she's going to go ahead and, and be back on for season two of daryl dixon now they renamed it with daryl and carol uh you know they put her name into it too so then you've got dead city you know with uh negan and maggie so yeah the the Walking Dead universe, they're trying to hang on, <laughs> squeeze every single dollar that they can out of it. And I don't blame them. Uh
0: okay. density was a little rough, but
1: yeah, but it's nowhere near what it once was. You gotta no. admit that. Yeah, but no, I think they'll anything? I think they'll get them back for a reunion thing, a special thing at some point in time down down the road and to finish it all off.
0: This and, is this something good for us to start on our new Monday show yeah. that we call the BDMC's Witty, Witty Edge Report? Mm -hmm. It was a good backbone to have so, you know, just for the first year so that we had something, uh, you know, I could lay something core down for us to make sure we always had something to cover. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? What not? Well, at the same time, giving us some fluidity, you know, how how nice to have that because, you know, stuff just pops up. You go to the movie theater and, you know, you go to see a film. I went to see uh, The Creator the other day and you see trailers for TV series that are coming out next year. And I'm like, oh, you know, I wouldn't mind reviewing that. So that's what we're doing. We're doing a lot of episodical TV. We just reviewed The Godfather. Cyber never seen it before. So he really enjoyed it. That was a really great experience. It was fun seeing Cyber review of The Godfather for the first time I moderated it. Um, we're reviewing a lot of like regular movies, a lot of stuff like coming to America and The Godfather and kind of across the board. We did the hateful eight the week before that. That was a great film. And then um, we've got what if coming up in December. So we you know we're live Monday, Wednesday, and Friday night. so we've got what if coming out in December? Um, hopefully is it coming out December or next year? it's it's as of right now, cyber and andre's pop culture guy over at the, sh- the bleeding edge and whatnot are telling me that it's, it's going to still going to be this year okay I, we'll have to sometime. see i would i would heard the same thing you're hearing that it, it's not going to come out until january okay no. so i'm not i'm not 100
1: sure what when it's coming out i thought they said next next year so. we
0: got x-men 97 coming out next year mm-hmm. the, that's going to be great the, the animated show yep. i'm looking forward to reviewing that i've never reviewed an animated show besides what if so that's going to be a lot of fun um, and that's pretty much it, you know. Um, just and, and we're gonna we're gonna be doing some DC animated films coming up here. So we really enjoy that. We're working the whole collection, mm-hmm. um, you know, chronologically. We really enjoyed reviewing the, the the DC animated films. I'm not a big DC fan, but they're they're great films.
1: Definitely looking forward to that. Some great stuff that you guys are doing at the MCU's Bleeding Edge. Please go ahead and check it out today. The MCU's bleeding edge. You and I still have to have an Ahsoka conversation. We gotta go ahead and finish finish off Loki. I know you said you're not eager for the Marvels, but I'm going to be checking out the Marvels. I know I've got some young ladies that want to go ahead and check it out. I know that uh, there's still some stuff in the Marvel Cinematic Universe that I want to deal with and check out. It's, it's had its ups and downs. Let's let's not kid ourselves. Uh, you know, especially this year, there's been a lot more downs than ups when it comes to the MCU. But hopefully Loki will finish off with this last two episodes on a high note. And at least the ending of this episode in, in <laughs> season two At least it's got us talking, my friend.
0: At least it's got us talking. Most definitely. I'll be there for opening night. Disney will get my money. OX1947. uh, Disney will get my money on opening night at the Marvels. I'll probably be there with my daughter, too. So, Yeah, uh, that they will. Uh, It's not the same
1: as it used to be, but maybe it will be once again. It just depends on the storytelling by Disney and if it ever gets coherent to the point where people can follow along, both hardcores and general persons alike. So hopefully we can go ahead and and get to the point where it's a dynamic once again. Even though Martin Scorsese says he doesn't like that, but, you know, it's more fun that way. So we'll, we'll see. Once again, it is the MCU's Bleeding Edge. It's Jeff Sloboda. Please go ahead and check out The Man of True Knowledge along with his great, great, great great casting crew each and I time out. I've been on the show. It's a true pleasure and honor to be on that show. There's a lot of great conversation. You got to go ahead and check it out. It is the MCU's Bleeding Edge. Jeff, great to have you back on, my friend. Looking forward to some more true knowledge that you can drop anytime right here in the Pop Culture Cosmos.